Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this hour. I've got Pastor Kevin uh, Saunders and Dr. Tim Walsh in studio. They're a couple of friends and co-laborers for Christ. They have uh, are going to talk about poverty today, growing up in poverty, working with people in poverty and on the margins. And I want to learn about uh, what you guys are doing. And I also want to learn about uh, your relationship and each one of you individually, even though, Tim, I know you pretty well. Oh, right. Yeah. Great. Tim is, of course, uh, vice president at Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. He's been a regular guest on my show before, and it's really nice to have him back. And and uh, Pastor Kevin is uh, an alum here at the University of Northwestern, got his master's degree at Bethel, and is the second chair at Mount Olivet, Mount Olivet Baptist Church in St. Paul. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bill, for having us on today. Um, certainly appreciate being here, and uh, it's it's such a joy um, that God has done such an amazing work in our lives to allow us to uh, to just help individuals all over the Twin Cities. Uh, I want to mention that uh, Tim and I have been partners now for several years. I was director of an organization called Upworks, uh, where we created a program called Empowering Adults. And that's mm-hmm. where Tim and I have been drawn to one another, having a background uh, coming out of poverty uh, having overcome some of the challenges that we all face uh, as we go from edgy, from having less to having something and still having your feet in both uh, both territories. So just a great time. Thank you so much for having us here. Yeah. We want to just kind of dive in. And- yeah. Kevin, when you told me that you were the second chair at Mount Olivet Baptist Church in St. Paul, I had to ask what that meant. So what that means is in the traditional black Baptist church is one senior pastor. We don't have a whole bunch of staff, hmm. if you will, like you do in so many of the larger churches. So our senior pastor is a Reverend Dr. James Thomas, a great man of God who I, I love and follow uh, faithfully. Uh, we are associate ministers. There's three of us that sit uh, at Mount Olivet uh, Baptist Church, uh, and I'm one of those guys. Been there now for five, a little over five years, as an associate minister there. Uh, but most of my work is actually on the street evangelism. That's where I really get uh, my charge in serving the Lord and the Ooh, kingdom. You're a man after my own heart. I love yeah. hearing about that. All right, uh, Tim. Dr. Tim Walsh is as uh, also in the studio. T- Tim, tell us about your relationship with Kevin. Yeah, so after that, after we started working together on that that program, um, I just want to mention that when you look at the results that Kevin got in that program, they're actually even a little better than Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. So uh, we, as you know, we have this uh, success rate of about 80%, you know, people not relapsing and or just having a lapse then coming back to full-time sobriety. But that's, that's what we're known for at Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, but... Uh, what people don't know is what goes along with life transformation at Teen Challenge is people end up getting jobs. Uh, they end up being self-sufficient with their finances. They end up getting housing. Uh, 
Uh, they end up getting education, and we track with all of those life outcomes. And I, I'm going to put it out there that I, I'm, I'm going to guess that we're one of the most effective anti-poverty programs and anti-homelessness programs uh, in the state. I'll put that out there for anyone to challenge. And then Kevin, uh, years ago, started uh, with us and working with our folks just before they transition out of Teen Challenge. And through his model... Uh, of training them, and we'll get into that model a little bit, uh, he even got better results, which wow. is unbelievable to even increase the margin at all in terms of success. Uh, and so then, uh, and I, I would say that this was actually uh, God's uh, work in us. Uh, we started working in February of 2020, and we started talking about issues like uh, racial bias, cultural awareness, uh, responsiveness to culture and, and people's differences, uh, operating in the unity of Christ uh, in, in that way. And then Kevin and I, just because the affinity we had, you know, just this brotherhood is almost instant, you know, uh, we, we got this level of dialogue with each other that was so personal. People hadn't, hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. So through a series of webinars, conferences, uh, sermons together, uh, we're guessing that we reached anywhere from five to 6,000 uh, people probably ourselves, and then probably more than that uh, with the panels that we've been on when you add it all up. Cool. Well, maybe we can start uh, by talking about a definition of poverty. What is what is poverty and maybe a biblical view of the poor? Why do Christians care about the poor? Well, we use um, for, for poverty... I, I kind of think of Ruby Payne, Bridges Out of Poverty, she wrote mm. a book. There's a phrase in there, the degree to, to which an individual does without resources. If you use that as a definition, it really helps us understand a little bit better um, that it is not that people don't want, it is simply that they don't have mm-hmm. a set of resources. And I like to talk about it being poverty really for individuals is a deficit of internal resources. So Tim and I, we've had a lot of conversations about that. If you really want to get down to what poverty really goes down to, it's what each individual's uh, lack of internal resource Mm -hmm. and being able to navigate life without that internal resource set is very challenging. And so just, so again, the definition of poverty is the extent to which an individual does without resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add, Tim? Well, sure. Just the, the biblical viewpoint, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this you know, throughout the, the interview, but uh, the Bible is actually quite clear. You know, when the Bible talks about finances, first of all, more than almost anything, doesn't it, Bill? And so, and then when it talks about the poor, God is, he couldn't be clearer. Uh, we're not supposed to oppress the poor. We're not supposed to discriminate against the poor. We're not to exploit them, rob them, defraud them. Uh, and so that's on the one side. And it and, and also says God is a protector, a defender of the poor. Uh, oftentimes when God is speaking about justice in the Bible, he's talking actually about justice for the poor and the oppressed. And so uh, I just started, if you don't mind, Bill, I just I started listing some of the things that that God says that we as the people of God should be doing for the poor. And he says we should provide for them, meet their needs, 
have pity upon them, have compassion for them, support them, defend their rights, uh, obtain justice for them. And, of course, they are the least of our brethren. As we do unto them, we do unto Christ. And, of course, Christ said the poor were part of the reason that he came. You know, that that was right within his, his opening statement of his mission here on earth was the the poor. And so... So it's it, it couldn't it couldn't be clear it couldn't be clear uh, what the Bible says or what God thinks about the poor. And Patrick, Kevin, I assume you'll add to that list. The most important thing is to preach the gospel to them. Absolutely. Um, well, preach the gospel to all mankind. Right. Of course. I want I want to be clear that um, when I speak in terms of poor, uh, I'm thinking of per- individuals who've been deprived of opportunity. So it's different than uh, the poor man who doesn't have hmm. a pair of shoes. Um, it's individuals who have been through systemic or generational or institutional or different types of uh, problems in their lives have encountered or been deprived or don't have the resource set. So it's, again, I go back to the definition that I use, the extent to which an individual does without resource. Um, Mm. It it is not for us to draw some sort of pity or sympathy for a person who does not have an internal set of resources. It's really for us to think more in terms of why don't they have those resources? And what is it for those of us who have maybe a position of life or experience. I don't like that that ugly word, privilege, to be honest with you. I don't like that because it, it connotates something that someone who has worked hard for in their life um, is in some way demonized for having accomplished. Mm. So I don't want to do that. What I want to do is say those individuals who have arrived at a place of personal experience that puts them in position to have resources that others do not are obligated by the Bible, by the word of God to share those resources and actually to empower individuals. So what empowering adults gets into, and we want to skip subjects a little bit, but it's like, how do you help people move to a place of not having a set of resources to discovering those resources for themselves so, so that we'll never have to help them again? In fact, they'll be able to pay it forward and do other things for others. Can you say that again? Yeah, absolutely. That last minute was so important, and I just want to make sure I followed that, and everyone else maybe who are driving in their car can hear that again. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's really straightforward and simple to me, clear, that each of us who, by our life experience, have gain a set of resources. Okay, I've got are that. Obligated by the word of God. We're commanded um to 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 share those resources with those who do not have those resources. And it's not us for us to have pity or to feel sorry or sympathy for that person who doesn't have the resources, but it's really for us to help that person discover within themselves the set of resources that will thereby allow them to prosper. We call it transcending or to mm-hmm. ascend. So how do we help a person move from that, that place where they've been so long because of all of the different reasons that we and we can go on and on and we can blame society and we can put it on whatever we want to, but it's really about 
helping that individual discover for himself. So I hope that's resonates. No, that, you did clear. a great job of restating that. And I, I think I understood it better the second time around, <laughs> but helping people thrive and flourish. Yes, it is. Reach that point of discovering what it is to thrive and flourish. Love it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, lots more with Pastor Kevin Saunders and also Dr. Tim Walsh. We're talking about poverty today, and we're going to discuss the cycle of poverty and some of the larger causes of poverty. If you have any questions or comments, you can let me know what they are, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Pastor Kevin Saunders and Dr. Tim Walsh. We're talking about poverty today. Um, Both grew up in poverty, and we're talking about how to build good internal resources and help people learn that skill set so they can thrive and flourish. But I guess the bigger question is, before we move on, is why is this important, and why are you Mm. two guys in my studio talking about this? So first of all, when I talk about, you know, my relationship to Kevin, I believe that was foreordained. I I believe that he brought these two brothers in Christ together at exactly the right moment because he wanted the message of the good news uh, and about what the Holy Spirit can do in people's lives to transform their lives, to lift them out of poverty, to bridge them out of poverty. And that happened exactly at the right time. We didn't know that when we did the first presentation that the, I mean, the riots were two weeks later, three weeks later, mm-hmm. something like that. So this is what we were getting, that we were supposed to be getting this message out there of unity, of brotherhood, and then but the empowering of the Holy Spirit to work internally within people and to bring us together so that people can be lifted out of poverty during that time. So um, so I just I just want to say that that's, that's the way our relationship has felt from, uh, day one, and we still feel like we need to be going. We got something like five conferences coming up here where we're going Absolutely, to continue yes. to talk about that, and we feel we feel like we are actually anointed on a mission Absolutely. to do that. Yeah. So, so Bill, um, I'm compelled by Holy Spirit because of the fact that as a kid, I saw and I experienced uh, abject poverty. I experienced poverty. Now, I come from a family where both mom and dad were there. And see, people don't always need to sum poverty up as being a single family home or the lack of some something being there. It's literally, like I said, individuals not having that set of resources. So my dad uh, was a eighth grade dropout, but he went to the U.S. Navy. Patriot, uh, we're all patriots. Uh, served in the U.S. Navy, came home from the Navy worked in the federal government, ended up in the Department of Corrections. So we started off on the lower end of pay scale back in the day, Washington, D.C. My mom had disabilities. So because of that fact, we lived in, it was five kids, so my mom, dad, and five of us living in in the inner city, Washington, D.C., and the red line zone. So it was an area of the city where only blacks could live, literally. Um, So we knew poverty as a part of a systemic effect as well as some institutional things that were in place at the time 
that kind of helped my held my dad from being able to reach his full potential until learned later in life. So again, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit is a driving force that says to me, we need to first talk about this real thing called poverty and who we call poor people, because many people have a misinterpretation of what that means. Um, Holy Spirit also wants us to share that he's alive and well, and anybody who's willing to really get up and do the work that God has called them to, you can be empowered by the Holy Ghost. So Tim and I are brothers of the same, of a, of another mother, we'll call it. And, <laughs> same and, father. And, and, and yeah. I, but the same father. And, mm-hmm. and we're governed by the same Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something they really want to put out there. Uh, and, and it has no color. Mm-hmm. It's not red, white, blue, yellow, or black. It has no color. It's just the power of Almighty God. Well, I'm in that club, too. Just so you know, quit talking about it like I'm not in there with you. <laughs> you are. Thank you. I appreciate that, brother. So that mom had three kids, right? <laughs> she did. Yeah. Uh, same Holy Ghost. All right. Maybe we can start uh, chatting about some of these structure, structural issues which uh, cause for the cycle of poverty. Hmm, absolutely. So um, Dr. Walsh has done a lot of research on on the topic and and the psychological and background and cause of it. So I I like him to start because we kind of play off one another. You'll find out we're like like two Lone Rangers, but we kind of come together. Okay. We, ride, we ride the path yeah. together. I'll be so. Tonto on that relationship. Yeah, well, you right. go ahead. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, uh, yeah, and uh, he's talking about the, the research, but this also lines up with our experience in life and also with our with the clients that we serve. Uh, it's called the social determinants of health, and that's just a fancy term for what is it that in a person's life that can actually put them at this deficit. Because so, that's what we're talking. We're talking about a certain lack or a certain deficit, Absolutely. right? And so what puts a person at a lack or a deficit, and what we find, especially in the state of Minnesota, is that when you compare health care, uh, they may have a lack of access to health care or good health care. Uh, the educational systems are actually different. If you mm-hmm. grow up in a certain place, I, I grew up uh, Duluth central hillside Absolutely. uh and and uh and back in the day that was one of the worst neighborhoods in the united states uh and so you don't have you don't have the same quality of education and then because of the zip code because of the 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 economics of that then crime tends to be rampant in those areas drug use prostitution and so on and i know that's that was experience in your neighborhood that was experience in my neighborhood and of course uh, there's huge disparities in the income and wealth so we're not just talking about uh, a lack of financial resources here we're talking about all of these resources Absolutely. are lacking uh and and that's what that's that's what's the drivers or the factors Absolutely. behind that and then and then housing is is huge you know you got substandard housing typically speaking but also you're in a zip code where all of these things are occurring mm, and they all absolutely. they all compound one another and they aggravate one another and they actually work as a barrier to getting out of poverty right. absolutely so that when we talk about structures bill um let's start with education for instance one of the things that tim and i always talk about is the fact that uh, if a child does not learn to read he will never be able to read, to learn. And the way our school systems are set up, and this is where I, I really believe faith-based education and, and coming up with systems of education where our children 
are treated more as individuals rather than uh, as this this group thing. Uh, what you find is that uh, if you were to go in the inner city and in, 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 in the neighborhood where I grew up or in North Minneapolis or over here in East St. Paul or in the community where Tim grew up, you will find that um, the young males in that community are hyper. They're hyper not because um, they're bad. They're, they're, they have a lot of stress around them. Mm-hmm. Toxic stress, yeah. They have stress from family, mom, dad. They have gunshots going on around them. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the street. So these, these guys, these little guys are, are, are really hype. So you take that little guy and you put him in a classroom with 23 other kids, 25 other kids, and the teacher's got to try to teach the whole class, and this little guy, he's moving, he's fidgety. Well, what do you do? What are we doing in our society right now? We're putting a tag on that kid. Well, he's ADD, or he's ADHD, or he's he's something. So we'll put a tag on him. That's from Satan. That literally is from mm. Satan himself. That we put a tag on a little guy and we say, oh, we need to put him over here and let him, he'll be special. Need. Well, he never gets to learn to read. So when he, they just push him through the system. He, he, he just push him to the fourth grade, push him to the fifth grade, push him to the, next thing you know, he's in high school. He can't read. He never learned to read. Hmm. So we have these structural things that are going on in our society, and, and people are saying, well, it's because of the parent. Well, it, partly, but if the parent never learned to read and never read to learn, then the child comes up behind that and never learned to read and never read to learn. How do we break the cycle? Can that person really be responsible? Can that parent be wholly responsible for teaching that child to learn to read when they never learn to read themselves? Yeah, so you just take that one example, and what we tend to say is the parents or the family, if they do have parents, by the way, usually it's 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 oftentimes a single parent, right? Um, we say they don't value education, so we shift the responsibility on them rather than looking at the big picture of why would they value education? Where has educate where have they seen education be that ladder out of poverty? And where has education really gotten them? And, and where has their success been in school? Uh, mm-hmm. And so if they haven't experienced that success, they haven't seen that ladder out, they have no role models of success of people who've gotten out due to education, well, then you're going to value education less, aren't you? But also the schools that they're going to, why would they value those particular schools? Mm-hmm. So We'll take a little break. We're going to continue our discussion with... Pastor Kevin Saunders and Dr. Tim Walsh. We're talking about poverty. If you've heard anything you'd like clarification on or you have a question for us, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
just joined us. We're talking about poverty today, and it's a fascinating discussion with uh, Dr. Tim Walsh and Pastor Kevin Saunders. These are two guys that uh, know each other, love each other, and get, are getting a chance to do a tremendous amount of ministry together. Uh, Tim, of course, is the uh, vice president over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and Kevin is pastor, second chair at Mount Olivet Baptist Church in St. Paul. Now, gentlemen, I would love to talk about the scarcity mindset. I'd love to learn more about that. That's good. You know, so and I'll, I'll start off talking about the scarcity versus the abundance mindset. And then and this translates right into uh, Kevin's model of hope of how people get lifted out at our transcend out of uh, poverty. And the Bible actually captures this very well. Uh, it's interesting. If you go to the book of Revelation, it says that you you think you are rich and you lack for nothing, but you are what? Poor, wretched, naked, and blind. So what that is saying is a person can be financially quite wealthy, but be impoverished in every other way. So that's an interesting contrast. So the scarcity mindset it, but is, is, is this, is... There are no pathways out. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't, I, I, there's, there's no way that I can step out of uh, poverty whatsoever. I can't is, is a key word within the scarcity uh, mindset. Uh, it's, it's looking at that I don't have any agency or control or empowerment to actually uh, have any different reality uh, in my, white, my, my life and I can't get through the barriers that are ahead of me. The barriers are too strong. They're too high. I can't do anything. And so I am uh, helpless and hopeless. I'm oppressed because there's no way that I can get out of the situation that, that I'm in. Now, what's interesting is even those people like Kevin and I who experienced those kind of barriers in our life, we didn't actually think that way. Uh, and, and, and this is the research, Bill, and it's really critical that even if you are experiencing systemic and structural barriers in your life, if you then take on the scarcity mindset, you actually will stay in that situation. But it's the people who say, yep, well, that's true, and and I'm going to start looking for pathways on, and I'm going to see how to be successful, and I'm going to see what resources are available to me. I'm going to see what supports are available to me. I'm going to see how other people succeed and get out of here. I'm actually, I'm going to actually look at successful models, and I'm going to model myself after them. Well, that is an abundance mindset. It is is looking within yourself and looking outside of yourself and actually seeing where the resources are and then actually making use of those internal resources to access and make best use of the resources that are available to you. That is the abundance mindset, and it applies across every dimension of who we are. Absolutely. By the way, spiritually, too. We can, have, we can have a scarcity mindset spiritually. We can have an abundance mindset spiritually as well. Absolutely. And, you know, Tim, what you're saying, it, it actually translates um, Christian, we'll say believers and non-believers. And what I'm saying here is that... Um, there are a lot of folks who are non-believers who have an abundance mindset. They think in terms of having much, having much, having more. Now, their motives are different, and the root cause for why they do what they do is different than a, a believer. But it, what I'm trying to share is that this idea of I don't have or I can't do or, or I, I don't know how is what 
scarcity really is all about. And what I'm what I'm learning in, in in the systems as we especially look at the social systems in in our country right now, there are a lot of those structures that are re- mm-hmm. really advocate people saying, "Oh, you don't have it, so we'll give it to you," rather than having systems and programs like ours, which will help individuals discover those internal resources that they need to be able to ascend on their own to get to the understanding that mindset of abundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a there's a where we're headed is and and we start talking about these structures is that there's an assignment for believers of of of, of Jesus and the faith to understand and have as a responsibility. We have to rise up and look at these systems and structures that are set to hold people back and begin to focus on them rather than from a political perspective, more from a humanity perspective and gain this insight that, you know, we're going to stop. We're going to, we're not going to allow this to continue in our social programs here in St. Paul and here in Minneapolis and here in Duluth and here across, because that's where we really can make a difference if you really want to know, you and I as the believers can make a big difference by impacting policy, right? by addressing those individuals who are, who are kind of saying, oh, yeah, we got these people who don't know how. No, no, you want them to think they don't know how. You want them to believe they can't because that keeps you in a position or a job. Wow. And that's what's really going on on the ground, if you really want to know the truth. I mean, we look at MFIB and Social Security and all these other programs that are handing out government dollars. It's the people who sit in those seats administering those programs who keep those individuals in the mindset captive to thinking they can't do better or they won't do better. And that's all so that they can maintain that comfy position to administer or hold that person back. Wow. That's really profound, and so and, and then so what? So when when I we work with Kevin's model, uh, it's what we've talked about before, Bill, which is a person that truly has been victimized, abused, traumatized in various ways in their lives, right? But what happens through the transformation of the Holy Spirit is we then get to the point where we see ourselves as survivors. Well, that's an internal resource. That's an internal strength. Mm-hmm. Then we go beyond that and we see ourselves as overcomers, meaning that we are now in a position to help other people to get out of poverty as well. There are various impoverishments, and it doesn't stop there, especially in the Scripture. We become what? Victors. So you go from victim to victor, and but it happens through this process of internal transformation of your internal resource set and then having the skills, the attitudes, and the motivation then to access the resources that are available to you and then actually to use that to transcend out of poverty, but then to go back and to bless those with the blessings that we have received. Absolutely. And so being very specific about it, what, what we're saying is that there's a set of internal resources, and each of us here at the table have that, and I'm sure we do. So it begins with it always the outcome is financial. So I just want to say that's the outcome, the financial stability, financial gain, uh, financial prosperity. Uh, but the things that are internal to each individual begin with spirituality. So if there, if there is mm. no cognition of God or an existence of God, now 
the world likes to refer to a higher power, but I want to say Jesus Christ. There has to be a foundational understanding of Jesus Christ as a spiritual component, as an internal resource. Next, there has to be some emotional stability. So another having mm-hmm. some understanding of your EQ, your emotional quotient. How do I re- react or respond when situations happen that aren't necessarily comfortable? Does the does the does the does the the lizard brain come alive or does the forward brain come alive when something happens in my life? So having that emotional intelligence or some degree of understand how to govern emotions is critical. Uh, mental capability, our ability to comprehend, prompt, process, and execute. Those are things that people don't think about from a mental capability perspective. I've met a lot of young guys in the inner city who can comprehend, process, and execute. Now, they may not have scholastic ability with math and science and reading, but, brother, can they actually execute well and and do and thrive. Uh, another aspect that we talk about is that they don't have, people don't have role models. So if there aren't any men of God, and I want to say men of God, brothers, we need to stand up and represent mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. what young men need of all colors. They need to see men of God who are standing saying, Jesus is Lord and I am. Uh, so that's another resource internally. If we don't have a role model, how do we do it? Next, we look at the physical. What is our physical capability? What is our physical awareness of who we are? Um, is a young man capable, understand of his physical capability? And then finally, I would say uh, knowledge of the hidden rules. Knowledge uh, of the hidden rules? The hidden rules. Now we're getting somewhere. So hidden rules are like in, in, in the middle class, we understand the value of a dollar. We understand that if you get a $500 credit card, you never go over 150 bucks on that credit limit. We understand how to manage a bank account, how to balance a checkbook. So those are hidden rules that we don't actually talk about in the grander scheme of society, but people are supposed to know. So this, this is where we say, we start saying, let's talk about these hidden rules that, in our society and what we do. And then finally, support systems. So another internal resource that we, we can have is we can develop. So Tim and I support each other. We're now going to support. We support Bill. We, Bill, thank you. Bill finally, support, <laughs> <laughs> Bill supports Kevin and Tim, and and because we have a support system, you know, we we rise up together, right? Mm-hmm. We we all prosper. We all see more possibility. Mm-hmm. We see more opportunity, and and I just want to say this as a shout out before we close this segment. Uh, I'm partnering right now with my organization is Link. That's where I'm the associate city director. And we plant churches all over the Twin Cities. Right now we have 138 plants wow. that we're working on. And, uh, and that's that's the ministry. That gets me to do what I really love to do, come on here with Tim and, and you and share. But that's really the heartbeat. It's called Link Twin Cities, and I just wanted to give them a shout-out. So. Terrific. Thank you. That's good. It's good. So the one thing I wanted to focus in on, so he, uh, Kevin was uh, talking about implicit rules. And so if you grow up middle class, upper middle class, or, or wealthy, uh, we wouldn't understand the implicit rules of how you survive in poverty. And there's lots of rules about how to survive in poverty, but it, it builds skills. 
But also, when you're in poverty, you don't know what the implicit rules of how to be successful as a middle-class person. I'll give you an example of that, Bill. So when I'm in high school... My brother had told me, I don't know if you noticed him, but mom and dad don't have any money. And if you're going to get anywhere, I got, I went to Northwestern, but uh, you're going to have to be almost perfect in your, in your grades and, and your other areas. Uh, and so that was A. And then uh, B is uh, the people from the other side of the town, from the right side of the tracks, they knew how to take tests. They knew about college entrance exams. They knew how to get a high score on a college entrance exam. I knew how to show up to take mm-hmm. the exam. That's the only thing I knew. So I used to watch these folks because I didn't get the memo. <laughs> on, on, my side, on, my, on my side of Duluth, we didn't get the memo on what those pathways were to success. They knew how to take college credit uh, while they were in high school and thereby uh, get almost a third of their schooling done. I never got that moment. So it goes on and on like that. There's these implicit rules that we take for granted when we're in the middle class and above, uh, and we pass the memo to each other. Those memos are not passed uh, when you're in poverty. Absolutely. See, I made a point of never becoming friends with those people. They <laughs> were getting college credit in high school. <laughs> you got to watch them, though. They're, they, yeah, they, they know a, a few things. You got to yeah. keep an eye on them, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, I think I'll take a little break. We'll continue our discussion on poverty with uh, Dr. Tim Walsh and Pastor Kevin Saunders. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here. This is a fascinating discussion. And if you have any questions or clarifications, uh, let me know what they are, 877-933-2484. Dr. Tim Walsh and Pastor Kevin Saunders talking about poverty today. A question came in. Julie asked, I would be interested to hear what your guests think about Thomas Sowell's theories and the impact of fatherless homes and the Welfare Act, which seems to disincentivize married two-parent homes on poverty cycle. Uh, I'm going to be quick on this. I've actually listened to, I would say, hundreds of hours and read Dr. Sowell, and I'm a big fan. Uh, And I do believe that there are certain behaviors and, and life conditions that can uh, lead to poverty and keep people in poverty. That's a true thing. Um, but, you know, so, so things like, you know, uh, if you have, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're sexually active, you get pregnant uh, uh, and as a teenager and you have a child out of wedlock, absolutely that's 75% of people end up in poverty, right? And then, uh, so, so of course, you want to work with your children and the people we work with so that they put off having... Mm-hmm. Uh, children. Uh, next, um, it's it's absolutely true that two-parent homes uh, are more rarely in poverty compared to single-parent homes. That's a true thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, as part of the solution, we try to teach people the skills to have relationships, to stay in relationship, and to be committed in a committed relationship, because that will also be a pathway out of poverty. Uh, and then I just want to, I don't want to talk about the welfare system. We could we'd go down a, a, a rat hole with that one, but but what I do want to say is that 
part of the internal resource set of being empowered is there are there is a time where you may need to access the welfare system in order to use the resources. But where Kevin goes with that and where we go with that is you use it for a time being as a way to get to a different place in your life, but you don't you don't adopt it as a lifestyle. So that just quickly, that's uh, 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 to speak to the, the yeah. listeners' concerns. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. So maybe we can, in the time remaining, get to solutions. Absolutely. So thank you, Bill, um, for opening that up. And Tim, thank you so much for responding to that question. It's so needed. Actually, it, it leads to um, something I, I would think believers should consider um, Jesus in, as a model. So Jesus himself did more with humanity and with his disciples and with the people he preached to than he did to them or for them. And one of the traps of ministry today is so many ministries, it's easy to do something to a group of people. You can hand them a a bag out the window and you can say, hey, goodbye. Or you can create a program for them. And you say, hey, come on, but, you know, keep moving. But the hardest part is to do something with them. And so I would challenge the, the listeners who are saying, what about this or what about mm. that, that you consider being a little bit more like Jesus Christ. And the solution is come along and do something with there you go. people who are impoverished. Because everybody can point the finger and say, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. But when you get your feet on the ground and put your boots on and become a warrior for Christ, it's time for us to go do stuff with people. So with that, I just want to say that the, <clears throat> the solution is really about looking at existing programs and systems that are in place and evaluating, are they worked or designed to actually help people discover what this internal resource set that we talked about a moment ago is all about? Or are they really set up to propagate, oh, oh you just need to stay where you are, you'll, you'll always mm-hmm. be there? Mm-hmm. Um, do, we, do, we, do we continue to support the social initiatives that we have going on? And I, I, this is a long list, housing assistance, social security, disability, SNAP, welfare, MFIP. All of them have just cause for a, a period, but they they need all of them as well need to be segmented. And what I'm saying when I say segmented is I saw a beautiful model several years ago back in Washington D.C. The wrong motive, but the right outcome. So when gentrification started in Washington D.C. and several back in the '90s, there was a program set up where people on welfare who lived in the housing complexes in the inner city were approached by the government, the city, and saying, you know what, we're going to give you, so, we're going to give you uh, child care. We're going to give you a, a, a help to get an education. You choose what program, where you want to go, but you got 36 months. Welfare is over. Free rides are over. So it costs more on the front end, but here's an astounding number. of those individuals who were previously on some form of social welfare ended up having a sustainable career. Wow. Yeah. In 36 months. So we could solve the problem. 
it's just we got to front load it. And people are already complaining about where we spend money, how we spend dollars right now. But if we want to front load and really help people and help people discover what's internal resources set, what they really want to discover, what they want to do in their life. The program, three phases, self-discovery, short-term goals, execution. Simple. Real simple, right, Tim? We've, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's the that's supplement. Right. It's augmented the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge Program. Self-discovery. So after you've gone through your recovery program, then we do self-discovery. Who am I? Who does God say I am? What do I do for my? How do I love myself? What, what's important to me? What are my? What's my passion? What are the things that I I really have skill with? What are my God-given talents? What's my big dream? What do I see myself in seven years? So you get people to do this self-assessment called self-discovery. They find out right away, man, I I really want to do something. Next thing is build a plan around that, Mm -hmm. your own self-assessment. And then finally, execute. Those are solutions, real ways to help people advance and move forward. You know, real effect, effective, practical means. So I I always think of Jesus being that practical minister, Mm -hmm. even though he is the great He's practical. He gives us real tools for real situations that we can overcome. So I just say thank you for that, just hearing that out. And Tim, please augment because oh, I yeah, know just, you've got a lot actually, to say. Actually, I'm going to mostly echo and rather than amplify, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor Saunders. But uh, let, let, let me say just exactly what he said in different different words. Uh what are the impoverishments of people who struggle not just in poverty but in addiction and other life-controlling problems? What are their poverties? What are their impoverishments? Let's be specific, and this can apply to somebody even with a lot of resources financially. Uh, lack of purpose, a lack of identity, a lack of a sense of meaning in life, a lack of meaningful relationships with other people, uh, a lack of community uh, that goes along with that and belonging to a community where you feel like mm. you are one of that community yes. and you are loved and supported yes. uh, as a part of that. Uh, these, this is the, this is the common malady. This is not just going on with people with, uh, lacking financial resources. This is, this is what's, uh, afflicting, mm. uh, multiple generations now are these impoverishments. And so when Kevin says inner resources, he's talking about the identity we have and the strength that we have in Christ, a sense of calling to a new sense of purpose in life and a new sense of hope, by the way, that comes along with that, a calling to real, genuine, open relationships like you're you're seeing with the three of us uh, going on here, Uh, and then belonging to a community in which you actually feel like you can be yourself and you can be accepted and you can belong and you can be rooted in that community and you can Tribute that community, and you can help people who suffer from the same kind of impoverishments. So when he's talking about internal resources, he's talking about that. And now you have that, and now you get educated by an expert. Uh, mm-hmm. A life coach uh, comes alongside of you and says, okay, now let's tap into some of these external resources, mm-hmm. and let's use them to get you to That's achieve right. your goals and to achieve this life transform that we're talking about. Let's Now let's talk about how to use those to get you where you want to go. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's that's the most powerful part about it, Bill, is when we talk about the external versus internal resources, you know, job placement programs. So once we've gone through that self-assessment and figured out what we really want to do, now I can use a job placement program. Mm -hmm. 
once I figured out what my real passion is and what I really want to be in my life when I grow up, I can use that education assistance program to get in the right school. Uh, when when I've when I've had that assessment, completed that assessment of of my spiritual wherewithal and knowing who I am, what my real passion is in ministry, then I can go and go back to the school and become a minister of the gospel. So that's the difference when you when systems and programs are continually throwing these external resources at people before they've even contemplated their internal resource. That's right. It's been a wonderful discussion. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Tim Walsh and Pastor Kevin Saunders. I feel like, you know, we've become buddies. We should maybe go out and play miniature golf together. We'll get Absolutely. caddies. We'll live it up. All right, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or pickleball or something or do like something. that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to carry yeah. that putter. I'm going to get a caddy. Be, somebody got to carry Extremely lazy. All right, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for this discussion. It's been wonderful. That is all the show we have for today. I want to thank everybody. Uh, Rob Bluey and Dr. Greg Borgon. If you missed any of today's show, I would love for you to go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can check out the podcast. And thank you so much to Dr. Tim Walsh and Pastor Kevin Saunders for this discussion on poverty. It's been a fascinating day. I have so enjoyed spending time with you. I love you, and I hope you know that uh, God loves you. And as you lay your head on that pillow tonight, know that he has a wonderful plan for your life. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.